Hi, it's Marco here. Just before we get started with this episode, I wanted to let you know that this episode is available on our YouTube channel as a video podcast as well. So you can see not only myself and Tarek, but this week's brilliant guest. So head on over there. We've put a link in the podcast description and you can watch this episode as well as listen to it. So why not do that and uh, give us a follow while you're there? That would be great. But now we'll get straight into the episode. Hi, and welcome to a very special episode of Page One, the Writer's Podcast. I'm Marco. I'm Derek. And thanks for joining us on the podcast, where we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing journeys, find out how they got into the industry, and try and get as many hints and tips from them as possible. And we've got a great back catalogue of guests, eh, from authors to screenwriters to video game writers to comic writers, so please do check that out if you haven't already. But this week, we've got a very exciting guest. Yeah, this week we're chatting with Nicholas Binge, who uh, is a fairly new writer on the scene and is uh, his, he's ascended the mountain, you might say, uh, recently. Very and good. he's made quite the impact with his latest book, Ascension. You see what it did? Uh, that was very good, clever, it? yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's, his entry on the scene is quite that dream story, I think, about this year, wasn't it? Where he, he put his book out there to try and find an agent and he got not one, but seven offers, which is just... Wonderful. Yeah, amazing. So he tells us all about, you know, that whole process of getting these offers and then when the book actually then goes out to to editors, you get publishing houses that weren't even sent the book asking for the book. You know, it (laughs) is it literally is the the dream story if you're if you're an author. So um, it was really fascinating to speak to Nick about that. Also about his writing process and the structure of his books, which are slightly different from your sort of average yeah. uh, sci-fi thriller yeah. so um, it's a really great chat we'll get straight to it The Blank Page To some it's terrifying an obstacle to overcome but we prefer to think of it as an opportunity a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head So how to overcome that fear? Well we all know the best advice for a writer is Right. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy to use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realized you need to plan how to let people read it. So we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic, or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. 
So, well, as you know, my first question every podcast is, did you always want to be a writer? Um, uh, that's a good question. I've always, I've always written to mm-hmm. some degree, I think, definitely. I mean, even when I was at school and, and young, I was writing, you know, terrible short stories and, <laughs> and even worse poetry. God, don't, don't ever ask me about poetry. Um, uh, but like, I, and then I do forays into different things when I was like, in kind of sixth form equivalent, I suppose I wrote this like two act play that we then put on um, in the school and stuff. So I was always doing bits and pieces mm-hmm. like that. Yep. And then that kind of fell off when I went to university because I was busy, not studying, just doing being other things, just being at university <laughs> yeah. and being a student, right? Um, and then I think, and then I left that, I went to teaching, I moved to Hong Kong. And I think when I got to Hong Kong, I met a lot of other, um, so I was working out there as a teacher and I met a lot of other really talented, really creative people um, and really um, really ambitious people. And uh, and a lot of them had big dreams. I met this other guy, Andrew, who he wanted to be a screenwriter and he was like writing scripts and stuff like that. And that kind of pushed me into being like, you know, I, sh- I should do something, right? Yeah. I should mm-hmm. do something with this. I've, I've always loved creating. I've always loved writing. I've always loved writing stories. I'm going to write a novel. I'm, and at that point, I didn't really have ambitions of like, I'm going to be a published author or anything like that. I was just, I wanted, I wanted to be able to say that I'd written a novel. And so I... I sat down and I, and I planned one out and I planned it meticulously, something I no longer do. Um, and, uh, and I wrote just this really derivative fantasy novel, basically. <laughs> like, it was, but I'd done it, right? Yeah, I was proud about it. Finishing the novel was a big thing. It's a big moment to see, you know you can do it. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. And it took, me, it took me about a year to, to, to get it all down on paper and edit it and... Um, and so yeah, so I did that. I wrote I wrote this novel. I was I was really happy with it at the time. I look back at it now and I, I uh, feel kind of uh, shame and, and cringe <laughs> and, uh, 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 at it. But um, but at the time I was really proud of it. And and so when I finished it, I was like, I'm, I'm going to get this published. I'm going mm. I'm going I'm to get this published. I'm gonna, and I knew nothing mm. about the publishing industry whatsoever. Yeah. I didn't know that you needed an agent. I'm not sure I even knew that agents existed. Mm. Um, I just knew that I liked to go into shops and buy books and I wanted to get things published. So I um, did a little bit of Googling, you know, big publishers. Um, And and, um, uh, what I saw, I think at the time, I don't know if they still do it. At the time, this was almost 10 years ago uh, now, like eight years ago. um, Tor do have have an open Open, submissions, right? So you can send stuff into their slash pile without without an agent. Um, And I was like, oh, amazing. Uh, so I um, bundled up my first three chapters. Now my first three chapters, you'll laugh at this because my first three chapters were um, from three different POVs because it was a ridiculous epic fantasy novel. Um, and my query letter was basically me sending those three chapters, which weren't great, to Tor. Uh, and at the same time, a little explanation that was like, now I realize that this might not be a great start to the story. I think I said that. Like, in my, in my strong, theory, you know? strong, I like that. Okay. <laughs> Confident. But I promise you it gets better, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. uh, and, and didn't really so, write a query letter. Did you hear that. back? Uh, not yet. Uh, <laughs> honestly, you never know, <laughs> you know man. You never uh, know. I haven't had a rejection yet. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I sent that off and it was, it was literally, <clears throat> naive as I was at the time, was like, here it comes. Here's the book deal. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> it's on its way. <laughs> uh, heard nothing back, uh, obviously. And then started to do a bit more research around the industry. Started to look up a bit more online, find about agents, all of that kind of stuff. Um, started querying that book. Uh, it went nowhere. I spent about a year querying it. Got about a hundred rejections. Okay. Realized that it wasn't the right book. 
started writing another book, wrote another book that was better, also fantasy, um, also kind of second world fantasy, but a bit more interesting, a bit less derivative, um, playing around, which I do much more now when I write, but playing around a little bit more with structure and playing around Mm. with kind of narrative and and positioning and stuff like that. Um, Was happy with that, queried that. That died as well on query. Nobody wanted that. Was this um, for an agent? Did you try? This agent was for an agent yeah. that I was now querying for because I learned a little bit more about the industry. So I queried widely for that. That died as well. And I kind of hit a moment after that where I was like, well, what, it, what, what is it? What's not working? You know, what, what, where, where is it that I'm hitting? And I think, I don't know if it was a conversation with a friend or um, uh, I think it was where we were talking about kind of writing process and things like that. And I said, you know, what, why am I writing fantasy? Because I don't really read very much fantasy mm-hmm. at the moment. I did when I was a kid. Yeah. I read, like, when I was, you know, 13, 14, 15, I, you know, devoured, you know, the, the long, like, yeah. 10 book series yeah. of, of pretty much anything, you know, and I would absolutely read tons of it. And I, that, I think, is that's where I first went to because of that when I started writing. I yeah. was like, I know this space. Yeah, like, the I've comfort read... genre, you'd read loads of it. Exactly. Yeah. I've read hundreds of books in this space. I, um... I can write about it, but I was like, but actually I don't, I read the occasional fantasy novel now and again, or at the time I did, but now what do I read? And at the time I read a lot more kind of, I read a lot more literary fiction. I read a lot more kind of more experimental fiction. I read some genre stuff, but when I did read genre stuff, it would tend to be more kind of speculative and grounded with a kind of literary bent to some degree. And I was like, Maybe I should write something like that then. That's clearly something that's, that I'm passionate about and I'm interested at the time. So I ended up writing um, uh, Professor Everywhere, yeah. um, which uh, is far more... It's I mean, it's it's sci-fi. It's got kind of multiple dimensions and mm-hmm. it's got like other things going on, but it's it's also far more experimental. Like it's this... It's, this, it's written as a academic memoir from the perspective of a woman like... 10 years after a big event it's got like footnotes it's got like all sorts of weird stuff yeah. going on like yeah. it's got a lot of me playing around with form right um and i had a lot of fun with it i really enjoyed it um and the querying route i don't know it hadn't really worked out for me uh for the past couple of books so i was like are there other routes that i could go i was in hong kong at the time there was there's this kind of quite small um Southeast Asian literary prize that was being run by a, like a like a publisher in Hong Kong. Uh-huh. I was like, try submitting it to that, see what happens. Uh, and they liked it. Uh, and they liked it. They came back to me. They were like, we're sh- a we're shortlisting it for the prize, and b so it was it was a prize for unpublished works, obviously. Yeah. And uh, b we want to publish it. And I was like, oh wow, that's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. Um. So I. Um. So I was like, yeah. Absolutely. And again, this was another naivety moment for me and another uh, reason why it's always recommended you have an agent. I didn't have an agent. I was like, oh my God, my book's going to get published. And they were like, here's the contract. And I basically just didn't even look at it. I was like, yep, sign my name on that. (laughs) Yep, do whatever you want. Like, I was just so excited about getting published, genuinely. I think I glanced over it, but I was like, I'm not going to not sign this, you know? Um, And so I signed away basically all rights that I had to pretty much anything to do with the book, you know, Um, which, which any agent would have told me was a stupid thing to do, but you know, world rights, translation rights, subsidiary rights, you know, film rights, everything like that. They, 
have everything be pretty well, much in uh, perpetuity yeah, with no yeah. reversion clauses or anything no, like right, that, okay, right? Well. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty ironclad, yeah, right? Yeah. It was pages, pages, pages long. And obviously, it, it kind of made you think: is that almost the purpose of some competitions like that, where it's unpublished authors and yeah, the contract is so clear? Yeah, it does yeah, try to scoop true. up works. Yeah, people don't I, don't, really, I don't know. Naive if people don't really understand. I don't know if it's deliberate maliciousness. I'm not sure if I would call it that, but I do think that there's a that that they're aware that they're working with people that yeah, don't have agents yeah, exactly. and that they yeah, can kind of, they can wangle a few more rights away from you than you would, than they would otherwise get, yeah. you know? And I think that, um, and let's see, I think, I think their heart's in the right place and they're trying to publish good books, okay. you know, ultimately. Uh, but, but definitely I, I don't think I would assign that if I had a bit more knowledge about it. But anyway, it went through, it got published. It was very, very small. They're a very small indie press. Like, um, but I had a physical book in my hand yeah, yeah, that I yeah. could like wave around and be like, look, I got published. And I did like a little, a tiny little launch event from my place where I like signed 15 books for friends and was very proud of myself. Um, and that was great. Um, and meanwhile, I was always writing. So I was writing the next book. I actually started writing Ascension while that was going on. Um, and then I, then that's, um, that's when we moved back to the UK. Uh, and that's when I moved to Edinburgh. And I moved to Edinburgh, I, I moved to Edinburgh and I basically just finished Ascension and I had a kind of timeline because I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I, I want to get an agent for this. I'm back to the UK. I want to kind of uh, follow this a little bit more. So I queried, yeah. I was like, I'm going to query Ascension. I'm going to try and get an agent. I'm going to try and get a UK agent. Previously, I'd kind of, I just queried widely. I'd queried mostly US agents because those are the big famous popular ones, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and things like that. Uh, mostly, I mean, I'd had a few full requests, but not that, I had actually one really um, awkward and I think really bad. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna um, name and shame the agent here, but one really bad experience we'll with my <laughs> with my second <laughs> fantasy novel, uh, where an agent requested the full, read the full, uh, or had almost finished reading the full, and then sent me an email saying uh, I'd, I want to get on the call. And I was like, This is it. This is the call. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I was like, Oh, when can we schedule a time? We schedule the time, and then and then that time that. They were sick. They were like, can we reschedule? And then that happened like repeatedly for like three or four weeks. And then they just completely ghosted me and disappeared. And I was like, that's, that's bizarre. bizarre. Yeah. What, what happened there? Like, that, that was, very it was strange. very weird. Yeah, why um, don't you see? Yeah. And so, so, you know, it's so difficult to find an agent to get to that position. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly have it pulled away from you. It must have been horrible. It was really disheartening. And it was part of the reason that I moved away from kind of like, I'm just going to query all US yeah. agents and things yeah. like that. And part of the reason why I kind of, looked for some different routes. So anyway, I, got, I moved to the UK and I I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to sign up to one of these writing conferences where they, you know, you can pitch to agents one-on-one -on -one yeah, and maybe yeah. use that as a little bit more of a, uh, a personal touch. Um, so I did and I had that. I moved to the UK basically 1st of July 2020. And the conference was like the 3rd of July, 2020. Okay, right. But it was all online because we were in the middle of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So oh, I yeah, was, course, that, that yeah. was fine. That was, it, it had all gone online. But I had these set up. So I knew, I was like, I'm going to get my book finished for then so that I can pitch it. Yeah. And then that month, July 2020, was ridiculous. So basically, I had four... No, I had five... This is funny because I had five... Um, I had five one-on-ones with agents and editors. Yeah. One was with an editor, uh, who I'm not going to name now, uh, again. Uh, one was with an editor first, uh, an acquiring editor at a relatively well-known kind of uh, genre imprint in the UK. And then four was with agents, UK agents. And I had to send them the first 
chapter, I think it was, and then a query. And we just, the idea was it was, they would give me critique and feedback yeah, on sure, the chapter yeah, and yeah, query. Yeah. But I went in being like, this is a pitch. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. this yeah, is what yeah, this is. Even yeah. though it wasn't called that. Like I, Yeah, but you, you know that that's always a possibility with these things. You're, exactly. If you're facing with an agent or someone, who knows where it might lead. They're, they're not going to ignore something. That, exactly. Yeah. That they think is good. Exactly. If, they read yeah. it if only this it, was a pitch. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going to be like, ah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm bound by the rules. <laughs> exactly. Say pitch, yeah. you know, like yeah, exactly. Uh, so, um, so I went in with you know, not ridiculously high hopes because I'd already had two books die on on query and like mm. all of that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, uh, so I went in and the editor was first, and the editor kind of tore my first chapter to shreds. If I'm oh, honest, really? yeah, she was like, yeah, no, this. Uh, what she actually said to me quite specifically, which I think is fascinating. She said to me, this is a boy's book, because it was from the perspective of a of like a, a man with like mostly men climbing a mountain type thing. Yeah. Like there were female characters and stuff, but she was like, I can see this is a this is a boy's like book. And she said, people don't publish those nowadays. Is what she said that she wow. said to me. She was like, this, 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 you're gonna have to change your tack on it. This isn't gonna get published. Right? It's very sweeping yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but I, to hear that from a, like a, a relatively yeah, yeah. high up editor, I was like, oh, okay, that's another book in the trash. You yeah, know, no, like, yeah. oh, start on another <laughs> one, take another tack. Great. Um, and then I met the net. I went into the next meeting being like, let's get this over with, you know, uh, let's hear why it's terrible and it's never going to get published. And it was the first of the four agents. Um, and they loved it. They were, they were, they were like, loved the first chapter, loved the query. The query was amazing, and I was like, could, could I, maybe <laughs> yeah. send it to you? And they were like, I was gonna ask anyway. Like, please do. Here's my email. Send me the full. And then all the rest of the agents said exactly the same thing. Wow, um, fantastic. And they all asked for the full. Um, so I was like, okay, this is great. Um, I mean, that is a prime example of that kind of seeing of if one person says one thing to you. Take yeah, a pinch of salt. Yeah, absolutely. Five people yeah, yeah. say it, that's fair enough, but here you go, we've always had one person just was not right for that book. Exactly, right. exactly. And I think that's a big thing to learn for any aspiring writer. Like, even if someone is in a position of kind of relative power in the writing industry, mm -hmm. even if they're a, you know, they're an important editor or they're an important agent, their opinion is still just their opinion, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and absolutely. a sweeping statement does not apply to the entire industry. Yeah. yeah. And that's definitely something yeah. that I've learned. Um so yeah, I had these four fills in the bag and I was like, literally just shaking. I was like, I have no idea how to respond to this. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm a member of like a, a little critique group, a little writing group. And I, I was messaging them and they were like, just query more people. Like that's the first yeah, thing. They were like, yeah. just get it out there. Like, mm -hmm. like before somebody comes back with an offer, get some, get some yeah. queries out there. So I, I quickly Googled like top SFF agents in the UK, like found a list. Um, and I queried four more people. Um, just like that day and i was like if it goes on a bit longer i might query a few more but i just queried the top four right and did you tell them that it's with other agents i've also i've asked for a fool to give i didn't straight pressure? away i just i just sent i was okay. like if i get if i get a request back then yeah, yeah. then okay. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll mention but yeah. i i sent it so i sent it out i think i sent it out on the monday i think uh if i seem to remember uh to these four other agents just query in their inbox you know like cold query them and then the next day, literally, I think it must have been less than 48 hours after sending the full, uh, one of the agents that I met at the writing conference uh, 
emailed me and was like, I'm going to offer on this. I'm going to call you. <laughs> right. Literally within 48 hours <laughs> of sending the full. He Pretty said, sure. I stayed up all night. I couldn't wow. put it down. Um, I've woken up this morning. Like, I'm going to offer. So I was like, great, let's have that call. And I immediately emailed the other four that like, all, all the other agents yeah. that either had the query or the full and was like, I just had an offer. Do you want to read more or do you want to? And one agent ghosted me. Okay. Never, just never replied, right? Okay. right? Yeah. Which standard, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other three all asked for the full as well. Yep. And by three weeks later, because I gave them all a three-week deadline, partly because my current agent was just about to go on honeymoon. Oh. And he was like, I really want to read this, but I'm about to go on my honeymoon. Okay. Please, can you give me long, like a little bit more time? Can you yeah. give me up until I come back from my honeymoon in time to read it? So I was like, I'm going to give everyone three weeks. And by the end of the three weeks, I had seven offers. Wow. wow. That's amazing. Everyone offered. That's, that's, that's fantastic. That's, that's um, I know. Yeah. And I was just, each time it one came in i was just like I, what do i do <laughs> like what? so i mean, I I mean like how panicking. do you yeah yeah i so I, how do you decide i don't know i had calls with all of them i had a couple of calls with some of them so i kind of had i had a call with all of them at a big spreadsheet uh i was talking to other friends in the industry like yeah. pros cons all of these sorts of things what was so what was really interesting is i had a spreadsheet and i I'd, I'd go on a call with them i'd ask questions and my questions it would get increasingly um increasingly bold as they went on yeah. you know what i mean so like at the beginning when you first have your first agent call like you just don't want to screw it up you've yeah. been waiting yeah. for this for years right and you're just like yeah so you, what do you like about the book like, <laughs> just, uh, like uh you're almost kind of tiptoeing around it and i think by my final call which i had with alex who's my current agent i was basically like this other guy says he can do this can you beat that <laughs> like i was i was at that point i was like nice, playing hardball yeah. with them yeah. because i had so much so much on the table right um, so yeah, I, I kind of put them in spreadsheets, was talking about them, looking at them, looking at their agencies as well, which I think is really important yeah. if you have those kind of offers on the table. Like yeah. it's not just who they are as an agent, it's where their agency is at, where they, what they can offer, all of these sorts of things. And so I whittled it down a little bit. I knocked a couple of agents off who I was slightly less interested in. One, because there was one agent who wanted to make really quite substantial changes to the book that okay. I wasn't on board with, uh, like really quite substantial changes. Uh, so I was like, look, I like you as an agent, but that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, there was one who was, uh, bless him, he's done really well over the past few years. But at the time, he was just a very junior agent starting out at a relatively small agency. And like, I was like, there's bigger fish on the table. Um, uh, and so as I started to kind of whittle them down, I think I had two or three that I was between. And I'm still waiting for Alex to come back to me, who was on his honeymoon. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I can't decide. I had, I had two calls with one agent and I was like, I'll call you back. I want to talk about this and positioning and, and editors you'd submit to and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Alex came back and, we had, and he, he said he wanted to offer and we went on the call. And it was a very much like when you know, you know situation. And this mm -hmm. has happened to me yeah. a couple of times. Like I was debating so much. And by the time I put the phone down with Alex, I was just like, it's him. And was that kind of like a gut feeling? Almost? Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, there's obviously loads of impressive things. He's a fantastic agent. He represents some wonderful people. Uh, he also works for CNW, who are a very large agency mm -hmm. and have all sorts of wonderful connections in the industry. Um, and because they're a 
they're a subsidiary of Curtis Brown, yeah. who are a subsidiary now of UTA. Like, yeah. uh, so they have all the like film connections and foreign rights connections and all that kind of stuff. But he also just got the book. And like the way he was talking about it and what he was going to do with it, it was very much a gut feeling. And I got to the end and I was like, that's, yeah, I'm going to go with you. Like, mm-hmm. that's perfect. Um, so we did and we signed it. And then, and then yeah, that was, that, was, uh, that was it. I had an agent for, for Ascension. But it was all like, yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I want to explore that a bit more with you. And then we need to talk about Ascension for those that, that, that don't know what it's about. But um your query letter, because we've we've spoken about this before, but your query letter broke the rules in some way because, for example, I think one of your comps was Dracula, which is a very yeah. old book, and you're always told should yeah. be last five years or whatever. Um, so, I mean, what was your pitch for, for Ascension? My pitch was... Um... I obviously can't remember yeah, it no, in my no. hand. I could find it if I, if I looked it up, but... Um... The pitch was it was quite it was quite a specific kind of just breakdown of the plot, right? Uh, but I, yeah, my comps were Dracula and Annihilation, okay. and I think quite specifically it was. Um, I think if you're going to do a like, yeah, they always say past five years, blah blah blah, all of that kind of stuff. I think, I think it's one of those classic things where the rules are there, but if you've got a good book, you can break them. Yes. Like if you've got yeah. a good story, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, and no one's no agent's going to be like. This sounds like a really good story. Oh, yeah. Well, it wasn't like but Dracula. If, if only his comp was <laughs> yeah. in, the last, in the last five years, you know, I can't read it. Um, you know, yeah. like. And also, I, I also think that in that situation, there are certain touchstones that everyone knows, yeah. and it's very easy to position your story, even if it is an old story, if it's a classic. As long as you're not saying it is a rehash of this, but if you're saying. Yeah, there's an element to like, it. With Dracula, I think for you, it was the. And I'm going to say this wrong. Epistory yeah. aspects of the of the book that you were you were comping. About. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Ascension was always a, a kind of. It started out as a love letter to gothic fiction, mm-hmm. and it's got those gothic horror elements. It's got that kind of that epistory, that that kind of letter narrative, uh, and that that framing device at the beginning. So it's got a lot of those elements in, like Dracula, Frankenstein, things like that. Deliberately so. It's not anything like those stories no. in terms of the actual plot, but. But I felt like that needed to be in there because, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's a touchstone. It's a it's a deliberate homage to that style, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so I think in my query, I did say something like, you know, the epistolary narrative of Dracula, mm-hmm. rather than just say like it's Dracula, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, so that worked, um, and that seemed to go down quite well with them. Yeah, and and obviously you got the agent with all these offers. You you found Alex, and then after that, I don't think it was a very long time before. You were suddenly being given a, a good publishing deal. Either. It was so. It was around yeah. It was July, August that I signed with Alex. Uh, we edited it. We did a couple of editing passes. Alex is quite editorial, and that's it, I like that. Um, I, I think good editors are so valuable, and I'm mm-hmm. definitely not someone who's precious about my work. Like I, I really value someone being able to be like, this works, this doesn't. You should yeah. move this around. So we did a couple of editing passes, and by the time it was ready for sub, it was about February, I think, of the the yeah. following year. So seven, eight months, something like that. Um, we, February, March, something around then. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went on sub. And yeah, it, 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 in what happened? We went on sub. It got sent out. I was very nervous as, as everybody is on sub. You keep hearing all these stories of books dying on sub and yeah. all of those sorts of things. So like, you know, literally two days later, I was like, nobody wants it. <laughs> nobody wants it. It's all falling apart, right? <laughs> um, uh, but about, 
about two weeks later, we got our first offer from Titan, um, which uh, was good, which Alex then used to kind of hustle yeah. other people. Uh, and then, and then, what was the next offer? I think it was Rebellion offered next, a little bit higher than Titan. Then Wildfire, through an imprint of Headline, mm-hmm. um, offered. Then um, then Bloomsbury called in. We didn't even officially submit to Bloomsbury. It's really interesting how the sub-process worked. So, so not... Not all the editors that offered were people that Alex initially submitted to, and this is this is something that I found really interesting when when a kind of when a hype train starts going yeah. with a book. There are so many people in the industry that have their ears to the ground, and there are people that I later discovered whose jobs it is to have their ears to the ground. You know, to film scouts, book scouts, all of these. What's sorts doing of things. their owns and what's getting the buzz? Exactly, yeah. exactly. To pick up on these things and yeah. then go to other people, right? So we suddenly had editors from imprints and publishers that we'd never subbed to mm. calling Alex and being like, I hear you've got this book, can you send it to me? Oh. Um, so that Bloomsbury did that and they called in and we sent it to them. They offered as well. Um, and then Harper Voyager came in an offer with an offer as well. So we had five. Uh, and so it was going to an auction which very exciting. Um, at the same time, CNW's wonderful foreign rights team basically started building on, they were like, the hype buzz is happening at the moment. This is quite rare to, to, to take place kind of as the actual sub is going on, but they were like, the hype buzz is building, we're getting call-ins from people, all of these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, we're going to start shopping foreign rights at the same time. Um, so even before my... UK auction was over. Um, I got a preempt from Finland, um, like just out of nowhere. I didn't even know it was on a sub to Finland. Like the next day, it was just like this guy's. This guy from Finland has just uh, sent you in a preempt, uh, and I was like, "Yeah, great." So actually, the first deal that was signed for Ascension was Finnish. It was before the UK deal was actually signed because we were still in auction then. And then, like, yeah, over the next, the, while the auction was happening, like there was there was a. There was a Spanish deal. There was a Czech deal. There was a Hungarian deal. I mean, I've sold to to, to eight other territories now oh. outside of US and UK for translation. Um, I went to auction in France uh, between two two publishers in France who were fighting over it. Um, so that was all happening. And then, so I'm like in another world at this point, basically. Like yeah. this is beyond my wildest dreams. I'm going to auction in the UK. We hadn't. Uh, so Alex had kept the rights, the the US rights. So it was just UK and Commonwealth. Um, and the plan was to basically, which worked astoundingly well, uh, the plan was to sub in the UK first, build buzz, yeah. so that when we went to the US, people were already talking about it. Yeah. Um, so we hadn't submitted to the US yet. Um, but then I remember it so specifically. I was in bed. It was like 10 p.m. I was getting ready to like go to bed and go to sleep. And I get a text from Alex that just says, how old is Harold again? He's the protagonist of Ascension, right? It was like, I don't know, like 45, 46, something like that. I couldn't remember exactly. Um, uh, uh, but I was like, you know, around 45-ish. Why? And he texts back saying, oh, um, some some studios are interested as what kind of age of actor would play him. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? Um, and then the next day, he puts me in contact with the uh, CNW's uh, or Curtis Brown's 
um, dedicated uh, book to film agent. Yep. So he's the guy who's got kind of his hands in all the all the film industry stuff. And he basically says, yeah, you've got some film offers coming in. Like, because somehow, so that, then this is all the people. So the, there's these film scouts out there who basically keep their ear to the yeah. ground. And the moment that Buzz starts being built in the same way as this, that an auction's happening and rights are being sold and all stuff like that, they will nab onto it and rush off to the film studios and be like, I've got the hot new thing, yeah. you know? Like, and that's their whole job. Um, there's a whole industry worth of kind of connected people. Um, so they did that. And yeah. And then yeah, we got we got a we got a TV offer, we got a film offer that was competitive as well. That was that also went to a kind of auction type environment. Really? Um, yeah, and uh, and so yeah, and then the, so that all happened at the same time. And then so we we I ended up with a quite a large film deal, which uh, when the offer was actually sent through, I literally responded by just walking up and down my flat screaming. <laughs> I, I had no other response to it. I was like, it's uh, I. I'm still not allowed to go into the details of it in terms of the production company yeah, sure. and okay. uh, and the people who are attached and things like that. But um, but let's just say it's a, it's you know you would have you would have heard of the Hollywood films that they make, mm-hmm. um, and I would did, and I was just like this is ridiculous. Uh, I so, mean, yeah. when you when you were writing Ascension, obviously every author when they're writing their latest thing they want you know the reason you're writing it is you want it to be better than your last story you want it to be good but did you did you have the feeling that this was something that was going to generate all this sort of buzz did you have the feeling that this story was something special that you were writing or did it just feel like a natural progression it just it felt like another book yeah yeah it felt like the next book that i was writing you know and i think i think there's two things that that helped i think once the kind of a, a hype train starts moving it kind of gained its own speed yes. gained its own momentum to some degree and i think it's not just about the quality of the book at that point it's about people looking and going oh they offered on that i want to get in you know what i mean um but i think i think there's there's a couple of things that um differentiated it in terms of the early interest that the book got and one of them uh, that i've been thinking a lot about recently is um what I'm going to call marketability mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the immediate obvious pitch for it. Uh, so when, you know, you know, when, you know, when people send stuff to e- either agents or when agents send stuff to editors and you get that reply, they're like, I loved it, but I don't have a vision for it. Yes. Right? I don't have a vision for this particular mm-hmm. book. What they mean, as I've discovered, is not that they don't have an editorial vision for the book. It's that they don't have a full vision, like, when when an agent or an editor sees something that they want to offer and they they fall in love with, it's usually because like they can see the cover yeah. straight away. Mm-hmm. You know, they can see the log line. They can see what's going to be written under the cover. They can see all the marketing touch points. Yeah. They're going to put it in a bookshop. Yeah. And reading my book, I mean, the the concept at the beginning, big mountain, middle of ocean. Yeah. That's easy to put on a cover. Yeah. Is that some books are wonderful, but like. What do you put on a cover? Yeah. You know, and that makes a difference, and it makes a difference with the marketing teams because ultimately they make different. They have a big say in the acquisitions meetings of whether or not you're going to buy a book. Um, and agents know this, and editors know this. Um, and I realized that when um, Harper Voyager during the auction, uh, who I went with eventually in the UK, um, they sent me this this marketing deck mm-hmm. uh, um, as part of the thing, which is basically like a a collection of. Uh, PowerPoint slides of all the different things that they're going to do to market the book. And immediately, they, they already had this, like two days after the, <laughs> oh, this, wow. the, this, the, the cover 
uh, with the if you ever read this, tell others don't come here, don't come here. Yeah. They already had that sketched up. Oh, okay. Uh, like they already had that idea in their head. Basically, yeah. the book was giving them so many marketing ideas. Yeah. Um, that they were like, this is something we can work with. Yeah. Uh, and I think that marketability, rather than the pros or the characters or the ideas or things like that, is something that. Well, that it, stood out. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's a, I imagine it's a mesh of it all, but certainly the marketability side of it is is important. Which you know, when we've had other people on the podcast, we've always asked, you know, you know, write write the story you want to tell. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you want to be a commercial author, I, I always personally think that you have to have some, I not not write for the market, but have some eye on the market in the sense of yeah. will anyone actually ever want to publish this maybe not maybe you're still happy writing the story that's absolutely fine yeah. but if you want to sell it then you need to think about that a little bit as well absolutely i think you do and i think i think anyone i mean i think in any type of art somebody who's just completely in the like i'm only making art for yeah. myself and i don't yeah. think about the people who are going to read it and things like fine mm. but that's like it's, it's not going to end up being successful no. or one in a million might yeah. you know what and I mean and it's not a bad like, thing to be either one there's a lot of people who can like, the nose of people who write commercial fiction to sit, and it's like well yeah. you know there's nothing, nothing wrong with saying well I will compromise on my artistic vision because the ending that's been someone else has said to me is actually a better ending for sales or whatever and that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world and so it's it's a balance between putting your work out there and making a living off it and it's, they can work hand in hand and there's not a right or wrong way of yeah, totally. I don't even. I, I even think that it's a false dichotomy. I don't think that there's a separation necessarily between my artistic vision and then what the reader wants or what the editor wants and things like that. If, if you know, if something works better for the reader, well, why am I writing? I'm writing for it to be read, right? Yes. So if something works better yeah. for the reader than my artistic vision. Really, is is that? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like absolutely. I don't have an artistic vision that exists outside of the reader experience. Like I'm writing for readers. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. So. In that sense, that's good. And I think I was thinking about that. The second thing I was thinking about when I was running Ascension was the the, the kind of the pace of it and the, the aspect of it. It's it's more like a thriller than previous mm -hmm. books that, that, that I've written in that way. And I was very much thinking about that. Like I wanted the book to feel like you couldn't put it down, right? Yeah. There were always twists and turns and the next exciting thing was happening. And and so often I'd kind of uh, write myself into a into a corner because I would get into the end of the chapter and I would be like, this is feels for the pace is starting to feel a little bit plodding. I, you know, I'm gonna have somebody shoot somebody else in the head. I don't know, <laughs> like, or I'm gonna have like some crazy thing happen. I'm gonna have yeah. a monster appear out of the darkness and kill somebody, right? And then I'll have to be like, okay, now, now what do I do with this? Like, I, was, I wasn't planning on that. I'm gonna have to rethink the next few chapters of my story. But I was always constantly. I think that's partly why I've moved from. You know, I said I wrote my very first book. I like planned it meticulously, and yeah. I did. I planned it scene by scene by scene before I started writing it. I was like clear, like three act structure, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I look back at it now, and it's I don't know, it's 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 plodding, um, and it's a little bit soulless. And now, I mean, I've written a few books since Ascension, um, uh, and and it's kind of a novella and, and various things that I've kind of got in my back pocket. Um, but now, I, when I when I get an idea, I just start writing. Yeah. Like I'm such a discovery writer now. I have no idea where I'm going with it. I start with a premise, and I'm like. We've chatted before about that kind of plan, plan, planning, pantsing um, stuff, and I think the the thing that we've always said, and obviously that you know there's no no right or wrong way of doing it, but for me anyway, the more I plan, the more I take away from myself. Like it's mm. you kind of I kind of lose that uh, fun of discovering things as I go, and it takes the joy of it almost. It becomes a bit boring to write, and I'm 
and when it becomes boring to read as, as a result of that. Almost. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I can some of the most fun I have is drafting, especially when I don't know when the story is going. And or even if I have a kind of a, an outline of where I think the next few chapters are going to go, yeah. just completely allowing myself to deviate from that if if it feels yeah. right, yeah. right? If it if it feels like you know, a character that I had an outline for for the next three chapters, it feels like that they need to die now, then I'm going to kill them, you know, yeah. like in the moment of drafting. Um, I'm not going to be tied to my own plan because... Yeah, and if it surprises you, then it should surprise the reader as well. You know, yeah, if it exactly. comes out left field. Yeah, but at, at, at the same time, to to, to um, sort of put up the fight for planners a little bit, <laughs> but um, uh, there must, there, like you, you've even said there, that, you know, there must come points in the discovery writing where you pause and go, right, where am I going with this? You know, it, you, you don't sit down at the start and plan the whole thing out, but you, to tell a coherent story, presumably, there comes points where you're having to sort of take a moment and think, right, where is this going now? No, that's absolutely true. And what I'll usually do is I'll draft a few chapters, or I'll even draft a chapter, and then I'll, uh, and then I'll like go for a long walk. Mm -hmm. And then in that time, yeah, the, the coherence of the next like three or four chapters will come into my yeah. head, and I'll be like, okay. I'll do that. I, th yeah. I think it's not that I don't plan those chapters at all and that it's completely discovery. It's more that, and, and there are touch points even like, even when I'm writing a book, I have a sense of kind of like a few touch points of things that yeah. I want to happen later on in the book. Like I kind of want an ending yeah. to look a bit like this sometimes or sometimes. I mean, the last book I wrote, I had no idea how it was going to end when I was writing it. I, I wrote that even like I got 80% through drafting it and I was still like, I don't know how this is going to end. Yeah. Like, um, but but yeah, it's it's the freedom to deviate from the plan and not holding yourself and tying yourself to it like yeah. it's like yeah. it's kind of uh, you're restricting yourself because I think that's a bit silly. And um, what do your what do your first drafts end up by then? Are they, you know, are they needing a lot of work in the revision stage, or are they fairly clean? At that I point? revise a lot as I go, and I right. think this, this is quite a rare thing from other authors that I've spoken to. But I can't imagine any other way to do it. A lot of people are like get the whole vomit draft yeah, down yeah. and never go back to it. You know, that and that type of thing. I write a chapter, I edit that chapter, and I then I work with other writers and like beta readers, and I've got a little critique group, and we critique that chapter and we talk about it, and I do that for every chapter before I move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. Wow! So before you even start writing the next chapter, yeah. you go that whole process. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, and I think the re for in my head, the reason I do that is because I'm discovery writing and because I'm not entirely sure exactly where the character arts are going and things like that. I feel like every single chapter is it's the foundation upon which the rest of the book is built, mm -hmm. right? It's the beginnings. If I need if I'm going to understand where a character arc is going to go, I need to know who they are and what their conflicts are and what their their internal, you know, situation is as effectively as I possibly can at the beginning of the book otherwise what am I writing, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I that if that foundation's not strong, I'm built like if I have to go back and then change chapter one, I then feel like I have to change the whole book. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And I don't have time for that. But but I was going to ask about your your critique group, um, which I know that you're in, and it's a fairly small uh, group of people that that you do that with. And I, my understanding is that you it's fairly intensive in terms of you all uh, reading each other's work yeah. and, and critiquing. But do they all work in the same way? Because if they are submitting. Do they submit chapter by chapter like that as well? They, do... they, they've, um, they've come to the light. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, no, not, not initially. So we, 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 we did at the beginning, and then um, so this other guy joined our, our, our critique uh, group. Um, uh, Dave Goodman, he's an excellent writer. Uh, Stories in Clark's World. You should look it up. 
uh, and uh, he was very much like, I don't work like that. I don't, I, you, know, I, uh, I, you know, I don't want you guys holding me back. I'm going to zoom <laughs> off with my thing. And, uh, and yeah, after, I think after a couple of months, he was like, this, this whole like critiquing every chapter thing really works, guys. And I was like, yeah, it does. Like, see, it really, really works. Um, and so it's kind of, fight, I think people find a happy medium between the two a little bit, but we all try and, yeah, critique, basically critique the whole book as we're writing it and, and, and work it, through it. It gives you a sense. It, there's a lot, that's a lot of commitment, though, to, to each other and I suppose gives you an accountability as well in terms of your own writing to make sure you've got the... It really helps, it really helps to keep me like, writing a lot. So when uh -huh. I'm drafting, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to write a chapter every week because we meet every week um, and, we, um, and if we're all writing, I mean, we could, be read, we could have to read and critique 20,000 words a week, easy. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, lot, it's, it's intensive. Yeah. It's a lot of work. So we're all very, very committed to it. But um, but it's good. I'm so lucky that I found the group of people that are that committed to it and, and as talented as they are, I think they've made such a difference to my process, for sure. Yeah. Well, okay, Ascension, we've talked around it and about it and over the top of it for the last half hour or so. Why don't you tell us what Ascension is actually about? Okay, quick pitch. Uh, I need to practice this for when I'm going to like <laughs> conferences and stuff like that, right? And this is the peak. This, this is like, yeah, 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 yeah. We can let it go sorry, after that. Yeah. <laughs> All downhill after here. <laughs> this is the height of my career. Um, Never mind these book options. You've made it onto this. This is a real magic, one. right? Here. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so a giant mountain appears out of nowhere in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Huge, bigger than Everest. Nobody has any idea where it's come from. Um, satellite imagery shows that a couple of months ago it just wasn't there, and then it is. Um, and so a team of scientists uh, led by this guy called um, Harold Tunmore, a physicist um, with, a, with a somewhat kind of murky and difficult past that we discover as we go through the book, um, are hired to investigate the mountain, basically, to get there uh, and, and see what's going on. As they get there, they discover that they're actually the second team that have been hired to climb the mountain. Um, the first team are all dead. Uh, in kind of circumstances. Everyone's being kind of shady. They've been hired by this sort of quasi-military outfit that they're not entirely sure who they are or what they want. Uh, but the, the, the kind of the intrigue of the mountain is pulling them in. And, and what they've learned from the previous team um, is that uh, the higher they go up, the, the, the kind of the weirder the anomalies get. So they realize that they need to climb the mountain in order to work out perhaps what is going on. Oh, sorry, the team are not all dead. Um, the one surviving person from the team is, of course, um, Harold's ex-wife, um, <laughs> who is there. She's survived. They managed to get her and bring her back down to base camp, and she's basically gone completely insane. Um, and so as they climb the mountain again, they take her with them because she's the only person that's been up into that and kind of has maybe a sense of what might be going on. Uh, but a lot of it is about him coming to terms with what happened in the past in their relationship. Um and a lot of stuff that he's buried. And as they go up the mountain, basically weird stuff happens. I don't want to give too much no. away. No, uh, no. You know, uh, time dilates. Uh, hours kind of feel like days. Days feel like weeks. Uh, we're not entirely sure how much time is passing. Um, sections of the mountain seem to move entirely on their own as if it's kind of a living, breathing thing. Um, and particularly in a, in a kind of... And this is the kind of the, the, the love letter to gothic fiction in a very kind of gothic horror Edgar Allan Poe madness way. 
the team all start to get very paranoid and kind of turn on each other mm-hmm. and and that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's it's kind of like the thing, but on a mountain rather than in the Arctic, <laughs> yeah. um, to some degree. Uh, and yeah, that's the book, basically. And then, you know, they climb, everything goes wrong, some things go right, uh, and then we eventually discover why the mountain is there in the first place. And, and you know, we both read it, it's, it's a great book, but it, the, the opening of it is really compelling mm-hmm. and brilliant, and I, I can see why that would excite people, the agents and editors yeah. that read it, because it is really draws you in and it is told as you say in this in this you know it's a series of letters um through the story um which sort of draws you into the draws you into it more because it's a mystery i think setting it in that structure makes it more like a mystery that you want to try and solve yourself as the yeah reader. yeah um yeah. but and, and it did make me you you've you've had touchstones to things like uh, you said dracula annihilation is an obvious one for me as well it reminded me quite a lot of Arrival as well in yeah. aspects of it. And yeah. as well as the speculative elements, there's, there is, you've sort of hinted at it in your summary there, but there's an emotional uh, th- thread through the novel um, to do with family that, you know, I, I think is one of the things that elevates this above your sort of standard speculative novel. And I just wondered, is that something that was always... In the, I mean, it was obviously always in it when you were writing it, but was it always something that you had in your head that you wanted to explore? Definitely, yeah, 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 um, yeah. That was always in there, and I think in, in anything I write, there's there's this kind of, I th- I need to find the emotional core of yeah. the story to yeah. some degree. Yes, I'm writing a thriller that's all exciting and fun things happen and people die, but like, what's the what's the emotional core of the story that I'm telling, and and, and why am I telling it? Um, and I think it comes back to this kind of this this touchstone of horror, right? I was like, I'm writing a horror book, and for me, horror, I, I'm I'm fascinated by horror that doesn't lean into the kind of like boogeyman under the bed horror, yeah. but leans more into the kind of the genuine genuine things that horrify us as actual human beings in day to day life, right? Yeah. And so. I I wrote it actually shortly after um, my son was born, so shortly after becoming a dad myself. And I kind of had a moment. I was like, "What is, what is literally the most horrifying thing that I could possibly think of? Like, what scares me yeah, yeah. the most? Mm-hmm. Um, surely, if I'm writing horror, I should be writing about what scares me the most, right? And and so in that sense, that kind of emotional story needed to mm-hmm. uh, needed to be in there. Um, my next book that I wrote after that also has those horror elements, and in the same way. One of the kind of touchstones behind that um, is uh, is Alzheimer's and dementia, um, and because that's another thing that terrifies, like a real life horror. You yeah, know, the yeah. the idea of losing your mind and your memories and losing your identity and who you yeah. are, right? Um, and so I think those those very real horrors that actually scare us in real life, kind of inserting them into the story, uh, makes it quite compelling. Yeah. Definitely. So so for you, is that the kind of starting point when when it comes to your ideas is it there's was you know for someone like ascension say what came first was it the 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 climb up the mountain or was it the parent child relationship you know what was what came first and did you build the other one around it i don't know i'm not sure i genuinely don't know i think i think the mountain came first i think i think the idea of the mountain came first but but the but the 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 character and the emotional arc of the character came quite quickly mm-hmm. afterwards um and i think from quite early on, I was playing with ideas as well, like larger ideas of 
of kind of ego and humility as well, um, which I wanted to explore. And kind of I was interested in, in setting up characters that would explore that. I mean, you've got in the novel, you've got Harold, who's kind of far more humble in many ways. Uh, and you've got him set against the the Betten, the, the mountaineer character who's basically the personification of ego, right? Yeah. And, 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 and arrogance and, and kind of those touchstones and exploring how actually there was a little bit of that in Harold's past himself and, and all of that kind of thing was something that that was early on a very big part of what I wanted to do yeah. in the book. But I think the I think with this book I think the mountain came first, like the, the, as a, as a concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appeared in my mind. Yeah. yeah. And and you said earlier that obviously when Alex picked it up, you worked on it with him for a few months, and then obviously once it got picked up by the publisher, I'm sure you've done work with the editor as yeah. well. I mean, in terms of those that work, what were you? What were you working on? Did did things structurally change or was it just sort of tightening things up, making things flow better? It was tightening things up and just expanding on certain things. Nothing about the whole text structure changed uh, yeah. from, from the first draft uh, that I submitted to Alex. Um, no, no, nothing fundamental. Um, Alex did some things to tighten up the pace a little bit. There was some, there was some, you know, there was some bits where some of the like scientific explanations for some of the things that were going on kind of he was like this, this is a dragging a bit too long we don't need to know all of this you know what i mean yeah, it's, it's yeah. fiction not non-fiction like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stop it <laughs> um uh, and like cutting back on that uh there was a note i think uh, that i always remember at, at one point uh in one of the editing passes that alex did where he was like you yeah you need to kill a few more people uh <laughs> uh not because not because i wasn't killing the people that I had on the mountain, but because he just, it, just to keep the pace up. So it's like, you need to add some red shirts in. You need to put some like, <laughs> you need to give some soldiers that can die at certain yeah, points yeah. to kind of yeah. give it a little bit more pace. I was like, I can do that. I can throw in some characters that, that I then kill off. Um, and then with my editors, because of course I, um, I have two editors. I have my UK editor and my US editor. Mm-hmm. So it's Salter Riverhead in the US, um, who are a wonderful um, imprint of Penguin um, and, and Voyager in the UK. Um, and my two editors there, do they both worked together on the on the edit letter, have just been amazing at um, so not kind of changing anything structurally, but just really getting to the heart of some of the things I was trying to do with the characters and the themes, and really picking those out and being like, okay, I can see that you've tried to put this in here, but give me a little bit more. Yeah. Like you need yeah. to just expand a little bit more at this point, or making links between things that I'd kind of almost subconsciously made but not consciously made yeah, yeah. and then being like oh you do this here at the beginning of the book and you're doing something here at the end and there's actually yeah. if you could make the link between them a little bit more explicit and I was like oh yeah sure so like yeah just just honing and refining but in a way that I don't think I would ever have been able to carry no, myself yeah. you need that yeah. extra pair of eyes yeah, yeah it's like a step removed as yeah. well isn't it it's not as close to all yeah and I mean you've got a US and a UK editor like that you know how does that work in having two separate people in different markets because ultimately, do you have the same book in both places, or is each version of the book different for? Those, so the, the book is the book is uh, functionally exactly the same. Uh, they they Americanize the text for the U.S., which okay. means you know they go and take U's out of words and things yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, uh, to to kind of uh, make it so that the Americans you know don't panic when they see color with a U written in it. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's 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 been Americanized for the for the U.S., but otherwise the text is exactly the same. Right. Um, in every way. And how the editing worked is 
basically, I, I don't know the full details of it because what, what happened is the, the editors presumably got on a call with each other yeah, uh, and had a detailed chat while they were doing the editing, edited letter and then then kind of presented and then led it to me together that they'd worked on right, together. Okay. And obviously, I think they must have been, there must have been some chats about market sensibilities because I think even when you look at the covers, the two covers, and yeah. I was chatting to you about this yeah. just before the podcast, Marco. Um, the um, These are the arcs. but These are the arcs. There's a similarity. Sim similar, no, but just if you haven't seen. That, this is the American one here and this is the, the UK, which is similar, except it now says Ascension down there. Yeah, but it's still got the kind of mountain yeah. in the yeah. middle. Yeah. But so Voyager are a much more obviously genre imprint, right? They do SFF, yeah. some horror, a bit of speculative stuff, but that's very much the way they lean. They're very commercial, they're very genre, and they're very good at what they do. Riverhead do some genre stuff, but not very much. They don't really do very much SFF at yeah. all. Um, I might be their only like proper sci-fi book, mm. to be honest. They publish people like um, like Khaled Hosseini, um, you know, and people like yeah. Marlon James, and yeah. like quite literary, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, in, in their approach. But they're quite they're quite broad. I mean, Paula Hawkins, like the girl on the train, yeah. so they do some like some commercial stuff and yeah. some, but not really much genre stuff, okay. you know. Um, but they took a punt on me. They were interested. They wanted it. The the um, the editor there really really fell for it. Really liked it. Um, but you can tell that they're pushing it to a slightly different market. Yeah. And you can tell that just by looking at the covers. You can, totally. you know? um, the, the US one looks yeah. much more like a kind of classic sci-fi yeah. vibe to it, whereas the UK one is much more like a kind of horror-y vibe. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the UK one, I can tell even from the marketing, they're, they're going much more down the like, this is a sci-fi thriller route, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Uh, whereas the US one, because it has all these elements, and I think that's part of what helped sell it. The US one is much more like, this is kind of a, a literary sci-fi, you know, yeah, this, this yeah. is like a deep, big thinking sci-fi type book. Uh, and I think what helped sell it, you know, if we go back to that conversation before, is it is this kind of both? It kind of yeah. crosses yeah, those boundaries yeah, a little yeah, bit. Um, and so, so yeah, they've, they've kind of, so it must have been an interesting conversation for the two editors to have to kind of, which I wasn't a part of, to meet in the middle there, I think, and, yeah. and work out which sensibilities yeah. they wanted to, to take. And, and obviously, uh, as we record this, the, the launch is next month, which mm -hmm. you must be getting very excited for uh, and nervous, I suppose, as well. Yeah, bit. I mean, obviously, uh, right? It's it's a weird thing because, I, I mean, the book deal was two years ago, mm -hmm. essentially, right? Uh, it takes that long, especially um, especially with a lot of these big imprints where they have to fit you into their schedule and they yeah. want to build time to do edits and to push marketing and stuff like that, right? So it's been it's been two years since I did the book deal it feels like ages ago, um, but yeah, it's 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 exciting building up to it. Definitely, I'm 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 nervous. I'm nervous to see how the book will do. I mean, it's it's been doing well. People are saying really nice things about it. It was well, it was a, one of Goodreads' most anticipated books of 2023, and, yeah, and things like exactly. that. So it's like it's showing off on lists and things yeah. like that, which is which is exciting. Yeah, so like. It's unlikely that it's going to completely flop. You know what I mean? Like, mm. and you, I think people have talked about this on your podcast before, but you, you do have a sense going into something being published of how it's going to do based on some kind of early marketing yeah. stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, like, for example, um, uh, The Broken Binding are doing a special edition. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're doing yeah. a fancy, you know, sprayed edges, yeah, all of that. It looks gorgeous. It's absolutely amazing, right? But they're doing a thousand of those. And particularly with uh, crates and things like that, 
that like they bought into that that's not returnable so i immediately know that i've sold a thousand copies yeah. Yeah. you know like which is some books never sell a thousand copies no, like, uh, and, and actually selling a thousand copies in terms of bestseller lists is, is a big yeah a big yeah pun up there, isn't possibly it? possibly yeah we'll see we'll see um uh but yeah those those sorts of things make a difference for sure uh so yeah i'm very excited uh it's good it's it comes out in the uk on the 27th of april uh if it sounds interesting please I know people say this all the time, but please do pre-order. It makes a difference. Like it genuinely makes yeah. a difference. Don't be like, oh, wait till it comes out. I'll pick it up in a bookshop. Like just spend the money now. Like, or I think <laughs> even if you, there are some places like Amazon, if you pre-order it, you don't actually spend the money until it gets, until, 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 it, yeah, until they ship right, it. Yeah. So don't even just, just say you're going to spend the money later. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. Like, uh, but it, it makes, it makes a big difference to an author uh, because it's such a, those those early pre-sales and and week one sales and things like that impact so much of the way your publisher views you for future books yeah. and things yeah. like that and all of those sorts of things. So please, uh, if you're thinking of doing it, go ahead and pre-order. Um, and uh, and if you're interested in coming to the book launch, it's happening at Blackwell's um, on the 27th of April in Edinburgh, and it's open to the public. So you know, more than welcome to come along for that as well. Please do. And you can. Get a signed copy there as well, and you can get a signed copy there as well. Yeah. <laughs> now you you mentioned just there or earlier on that you've written more stuff yeah. since Ascension. Um. So what's what's next? You know what's what's lined up? Was it take the boot deal? Was it multiple boot deals? So it wasn't. Stuff? It wasn't a multiple was book deal. No, it was a standalone. Okay. Um. Uh. Just for one book. Uh. And there are there are there are upsides and downsides to both. You know, getting multi book deals and single book deals and stuff like that. But they, this was this was just a single book deal. But I, both of my publishers have, have indicated that they're interested in what I'm going to write next, obviously. Okay. Uh, they're, they're invested in me as an author. Um, so I just need to, we just, I've, I've been working with my agent and working out exactly when, when is the most opportune time to pitch to them. Uh, it's a complicated one and I'm not going to go into the full details of it with Ascension, but it's a, it's a, I think it's an interesting one for writers to think about if you are on a kind of standalone book deal is do you, do you pitch to the publisher before your book comes out and try and get some of that headwind and stuff like that? And they're like, oh, this looks like it's going well. Uh, or do you wait till after? Because waiting till after is a gamble in both directions. Because if it doesn't do as well as you'd hoped, yeah. then suddenly your next book deal isn't going to be as good. Yeah, yeah. But then let's say it does really well. Yeah. Then suddenly you should have waited till after. You know yeah. what I mean? If it hits, for example, a Sunday Times bestseller list or something yeah. like that, suddenly you're, they're going to be like, oh, we'll give you a bigger advance. Yeah. So you do wait for that. So... Those are conversations we've been having. But I've written it. I wrote it ages ago. I'm quite prolific. I write like a book a year, basically. So in the last two years, I've written two more books on top of Ascension. Um, and I I love it. Um, every beta reader, apart from my mum, <laughs> every other reader, and I'm talking like probably 25 at this point, uh, yeah. who has read it, has said that it's better than Ascension and it's the best book I've ever yes. written thus far. My mum uh, was like, oh, couldn't really get into it. <laughs> Come on, mum. She really she, loved Ascension though. Your she, was mom like, is, she was like, Ascension is fantastic. But your mum is just that first the first publisher who was like, nah, it's a boy's book. Yeah, yeah sell, exactly. So it's, exactly. It's you know, only um, that one voice you can just ignore. Yeah. All the others say it's great. And I, I'm really proud of it. I'm really happy with it. It's, um, ah, 
how can I describe it? It's the time traveler's wife meets Inception. Nice. Meets at a third touchstone. I can't remember what it is now. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, okay. Right. Those are my those are my three touchstones. I can see the kind of Alzheimer's vibe. There's there's here. there's a whole thing about memory yeah. uh, and time and kind of time travel. Um, there's a lot of experimental stuff going on with structure. There's kind of two. Yeah, there's 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 ostensibly two narratives happening at the same time that kind of slowly bleed into each other as the book goes on. But there's 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 there was one point where I'm writing a chapter. I remember it clearly. It was chapter seven. And I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? Because there's literally about four different time periods happening simultaneously. There's like a conversation that's happening in the present about an event that happened three days before in which one of the characters has time traveled back <laughs> 20 years earlier and <laughs> and then there's something else going on but they're all like all within the same sentence taking place uh and it was yeah it was a challenge to write but like it was fun i'm really happy with it and it, it's that but like it's got the same thriller vibes as ascension it's got the same kind oh, of like that sounds fantastic keep actually. it pacey keep it like yeah. crazy things happening twists turns never predict what's going to come next that's the whole and, thing and does it. its title end in ion it does yes yeah, it's, it's, it's sensitive title is dissolution um nice. uh, at the moment uh which actually i i was wasn't my first uh go-to i didn't have a title for it originally uh but yeah my both my agent and i believe my agent said this after speaking to my editor was like Stick with the stick with the ION titles. They're like <laughs> they're that's gonna be your like thing. That's gonna be your <laughs> Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, and yeah, well when there is uh, when you are able to share news about about films and stuff, we'd we'd love to hear that and we can we can mention that on the podcast. But yeah, um, those were the those were the main questions that we had for you. But as you know, as a regular listener of the podcast, I am always, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm <laughs> we, a deep lover of the podcast. Uh, we always ask our guests the same question at the end of the podcast. The first of which is, what was the last book that you read? I mean, the last full book I read. I'm reading something else now, but the last book I finished was um, Richard Swan's The Tyranny of Faith. Oh, um, nice. Have either of you guys read it? I've not yeah. read it. No, no, I've read the first one. But Justice of yeah. Kings, I loved last year. And you know, you know, how I said before, like I'm not, I don't read too much yeah. fantasy yeah, at yeah. the moment. Uh, often because like a lot of fantasy book, books, I'll pick up and I'll be like, eh, this is and like I don't know. I've read a lot of fantasy and it feels a little bit derivative. Yeah. Uh, I picked one up recently. I'm not going to say what it is because I'm not going to badmouth other authors on your podcast. But um, that was getting very lauded and lots of people and I. I didn't make it past fifteen percent because I was just like, oh, so I've had enough of like, I don't know, like young boys in taverns, yeah. like yeah. you know, like chatting about like dragons and like I was a bit, yeah, yeah, it didn't sell it for me. Justice of Kings, I thought was great. I really enjoyed it. I loved the kind of restraint that he showed actually, and a lot of the kind of magic systems and things like that, and uh, and it was just really compelling. The tyranny of faith was everything I loved about Justice of Kings, like on overdrive. Like I think it was double as good a book as justice of kings and i love justice of kings yeah. absolutely loved it i would strongly recommend it to anybody who is who read justice of kings or even if you haven't read both it's a really yeah. good book yeah. 
No, the, nice. uh, the first one was great. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, what about the last film that you watched? <laughs> does, it, does it? Okay, last full film. Does it count if I watched a film and then had to stop it halfway through because <laughs> it was so bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's, that's, I want to hear that film. <laughs> that's even better. This is. Is it last night? No, Sunday night. Yeah, last night. Um, last night we attempted to watch Black Adam. Oh, right. oh okay. yeah, okay. Wow. Yeah, I've not watched. I'm not trying don't, to watch that. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know why so we even. I was like, it. it was. I was like, we're gonna. We wanted to watch a film, and there were lots of films that I wanted to watch, but my brain was kind of fried after what was a hectic weekend. And I was like, I want to put something kind of stupid yeah, yeah, yeah. on, switch you know, something. Brain, switch just, off yeah, my brain. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't want to switch off my brain that much. You know, <laughs> like uh, it was. It was painful. I don't understand how films with that big a budget can be that badly written. Like, just like, blatant plot holes, like dialogue that feels like it's been written by a four-year-old. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand how that happens. I mean, I think with that one as well, part of the problem was that The Rock was so heavily invested in telling his version of the story. Yeah, Yeah. so I I think the right, you know, there were probably 20 writers on the film or something. So, yeah, no. Awful. I mean, I'm I'm a big DC fan, but yeah, not. Not on my list to watch. We, to we, turn, we turned it off halfway through. Yeah. Uh, the last full film I watched was The Menu, which I loved. Oh, yeah. oh The Menu's great. The yeah. Menu was great. Really the Menu the that. menu is... Uh, yeah, if anyone if anyone wants to feel a taste of like the kind of vibes that I'm into, both in writing and in, in, in media, The Menu was right yeah. up my street. I love like, that kind of creeping really moments horror. of like just not knowing what was going to happen next and yeah. some real shocks. Yeah, I thought it, The Menu was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. really loved it. Uh, and what about the last TV show that you watched or a horror watching? Uh, we have started watching uh, it's a bit late this is a bit probably about a year or two old now but we finally got around to it. watching Yellow Jackets oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I loved that I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot we're mm. like four or five episodes in I like it uh, it's just really compelling really yeah, interesting it's, it's very kind of smartly written just that keep you keep wanting to find out what's happening the flashbacks are forward it's very yeah. Smart way to just make you think, well, we'll have to find out what happens. Yeah. We'll have to find out what happens next. Yeah. Just excellent, excellent pacing for a mystery. Excellent, like, uh, yeah, good. A touch too gory for my wife. She has to, like, look away <laughs> for a lot of the scenes. Yeah, it's kind of like... lost meets, in a very kind of gory version of lost. Yeah, lost, very gory it? lost. Yeah, lost if they all were cannibals and ate each other, you know, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> definitely. Um, all right, well, that's the main questions, but the very, very last thing we do, super quick fire, either or. So, um, I will say there's no right answer here apart from one of them. And uh, but we'll start off with Annihilation or Arrival. It's film or book? Film. Mm, yes. No, I wouldn't say book. Is it book? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll do both. Oh, do, do, both. Both. do both. Do both. Yeah, yeah. I think that Annihilation is a better book and Arrival is a better film. I'd probably agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, think, yeah. I, think I have to say the Arrival book just didn't click with me at all. Everyone always says it's fantastic. But it didn't click with me in the same way I, that the film did. I don't know if I'd seen no, the film the first, film. maybe ruined it. I think, I think that was it. Yeah. I saw the film first and then yeah. I read it and because you knew what was coming. Yeah, I wonder didn't... if it, yeah. Yeah, Perhaps. I'm the same. I mean, Arrival's one of, I think oh, it's one of the best films. Yeah. Oh, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, TV or cinema? Cinema, when I get the chance. Uh, Night Owl or Early Bird? Early Bird. Which would have shocked like twenty-something-year-old me <laughs> to say, but like—is that just because you've got kids? Yeah, that's because I have kids. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, but like, exactly. but it's, it's also completely changed my mindset. I think, and now I like I'm I'm useless past five o'clock. Like I just can't do anything. Uh, and if I get up, if I write, I have to get up and like write in the morning. Okay. I mean, I was going to ask. Sorry, I'm now jumping back into main questions, but I was going to quickly ask. Obviously, we mentioned the critique group and how much you're doing there. 
you work full time, you've got two young kids. When when do you write? Do you have a set time of the day or no. do you squeeze it in? I squeeze it in whenever I possibly can. Um, I've gotten very good at like writing immediately. When people ask me how I find the time, I'm like, yeah, but when you sit down to write, you like go make yourself a cup of tea yeah. and like you, uh, you, you waste like 20 minutes. You've got such valuable 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's like, that's like three minutes you've wasted. Like yeah. th- those are three valuable minutes. Now, because time is so precious, I'm like, okay, I have 12 minutes to write. I'm writing from like 10 seconds in. Like I sit down and I write for that 12 minutes and then I see what I have and that's, that's the only way I kind of fiddle in little fits and starts and segments throughout my life. Nice. Um, music or no music when you're right? It doesn't really make a difference. Um, sometimes I have music, but I eventually, I just quite quickly drone it out. Mm. And then if I have no music, I just drone everything else out as well. Like, mm. And I just kind of get in, in, in a zone with it. So increasingly no music. Um, so if I'm out and like, I don't know, in a cafe or something, I'll put on some music yeah. just to like, so I don't hear other people. But certainly nothing with lyrics though. I think yeah. that's the standard answer. Yeah. Um, and the last one, and some would say the most important one, real book or ebook. I don't want to disappoint you, Tarek. Oh, so uh, so don't do it. So don't. If you don't want to do it, then don't do it. No, put a gun to your head. Man. If you'd asked me the other formulation of the question, which <laughs> oh, you sometimes ask, yeah, you would have had a good answer. I love ebooks. I do. I really love ebooks, but. Cut. I love real books. I love real books more. <laughs> uh, but I love them both a lot more than I love audiobooks. I can't listen to audiobooks very much. I don't like them. Okay. Uh, but it depends on context. I probably read more ebooks than I read audio uh, real books. Because of the kind of if it's, if just it's, just comfort, the ease, the ease, and the comfort the, and also because so many like smart reasons to yeah yeah so many smart <laughs> reasons to and because. And because like Amazon wonder, have, it sounds like a wonder listen to the Amazon have made it very very easy to just go oh buy oh book yeah, and yeah, then just yeah, start yeah. reading you know, they made it too easy isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but if like if I had the choice if someone was like here's a new book you're excited about I could hand you the real book right now or you could have it on your Kindle I'd be like well yeah, yeah. I'm going right, to take the enough. real book cool well thanks very much thank you for having me guys it's been that, was great fun. that was great awesome <laughs>